Good day, fellow investors. Welcome to the Modern Value Investing Podcast with Sven Karlin, where we compound investment returns as well as investment knowledge in order to help you achieve your financial goals. Good day, fellow investors. The video many of you love the most in a quarter, the stock market investing overview using JPM's quarterly market overview and the great charts and data they provide. We'll discuss the stock market overview, the valuations, the economy, the risks and rewards there. Of course, interest rates, inflation, inverted yield curve, how to invest in this environment. And the summary is that Yes, the stock market is risky, so we have to find places or plays that are less risky for same or better returns. The economy, there are many economies in the world. We have the developed markets getting older, large debt positions versus the rest of the world. And then we also have to understand from a market perspective that the last especially 13 years, but also the last 40 years have been the best years to be invested into practically anything. So let's start immediately with the risks and rewards of the stock market. If you enjoy this video to support the channel, smash that like button. Thank you very much. So this is a chart that I think tells a lot of things and many don't even look at this. From the bottom of 677 points, March 9, 2009, till today, we are up 6.69 times. That is a remarkable performance in what's this, 13 years. That is really staggering. 6.69 times is what the SAP 500 has delivered, okay, from the bottom till the top. Even if we go from the peak here, so cycle to cycle, that is still a free X over 13 years, which is again a remarkable performance. And that's something we have to keep in mind. Of course, low interest rates have pushed valuations higher, so from low, very low price earnings ratios to pretty high, but now one would say not that high. So just one standard deviation from the 25 year average. And then you say, of course, a price earnings ratio of 20, earnings yield of 5% plus some growth, it's 7, 8 inflation, 10% long term return from stocks is what can be expected. However, if I'm looking at what is the consensus, what are analysts pricing in this environment, they are pricing in huge growth ahead and likely growth forever. Nobody is seeing a recession. Nobody is looking at volatility. It's just growth, growth, growth. So 2024 SAP 500 estimated earnings in SAP 500 points or in dollars are 275. That is more than double 2017 earnings that were 125. This is something that is really, really remarkable and growth is priced in, which is also something to consider when it comes to valuations. Because if you compare the peaks here, the growth priced in with earnings recessions that happen even 
more often than normal recessions, you can see how here and there, every few years, there are earnings recessions. While what is priced in now in the market, growth, 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 seems to account for that we will never ever see a recession in earnings again. But the data, especially economics, inflation, and everything else, might just skew that risk reward differently than what the market is pricing in and that is exactly what gives us an advantage. Also something very important here if we look at SAP 500 profit margins you can see them going just up 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 and up so companies are getting bigger bigger asset light business model higher and higher margins higher and higher profits and that is now expected to continue for ever. However, the mean average mean margins historical have been 8%. So will there be a reversion to the mean is also something to keep in mind from a risk reward perspective. Further, if we look at the normal real price earnings ratio, not the forward one, including a lot of expectations in a very uncertain world, it is 25.92. That is pretty high from a historical perspective compared to when stocks have yes delivered 8-9% per year. Even more important, if we revert things to the mean and we take average inflation adjusted earnings for the previous 10 years, the Schiller or the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio, that one is at 36 has been higher only once and that was in 1999 and historically has never been so high. I would say that this is pricing in an attitude that this time it's really different. The current stock market environment I would say is, okay, people are thinking that's the past, this time it's different. Zero interest rates are here to stay. That's still the predominant mantra. We'll see the inverted yield curve in a moment. And therefore, that is the risk and reward. In such situations, the key risk and reward is what, when things change. And with high valuations, if those change and those revert to the mean, those usually go even further than just reverting to the mean, just this from 20 to 10 is a 50% decline, which is a risk to keep in mind. Plus, if we look at five-year annualized returns from current valuations, okay, you say 4-5% per year is the average, but if we take the real price earnings ratio, you can see that expected returns ahead most likely are actually negative from a market perspective. So very, very risky. And these negative returns, especially with, with such high valuations, are something to keep in mind when you are deciding where to put your money and how to allocate your capital. But there is also some good news. If we look at valuations, there is the average valuation, and then there is the median valuation that is already lower and then there is the valuation spread where in the S&P 500 you have companies at the price earnings ratio of 12 and also companies at the price earnings ratio of 30. Just yesterday we discussed 
HP and they have a price earnings ratio now of 6, okay, forward of 12. So that is a pretty good, let's say, business with a high business return. And then you have to see how, what fits your investment requirements, diversification or whatever. And if we go further into sectors and segments, if we look at the price earnings ratios, of course, energy 11.5, because energy prices are high now, they are making a lot of money. Materials are also low, financials are okay. And then you have the others, consumer discretionary, 27, tech, 24, 18, real estate, 25, that's in line with normal historical rates, consumer staples 21, 21. So these are the forward price earnings ratios, of course. But then again, if we look at how the stock market global money is oriented, then you can see that all the money goes still to the dollar, to the United States of America, and the United States market makes 61% of the global stock market. That is really, really insane. Emerging markets holding the largest global economy now make just 11%. And these emerging markets make 4.5 billion people, which is then ridiculous compared to this. But the question is, of course, will we ever see the world shifting from West to east and when will that happen how will that happen for now the money is still going towards the developed towards the known and not shifting towards the unknown which creates opportunities from a risk reward perspective and then again if you look at the performance you see here how really over the last 14 years the developed markets have destroyed emerging markets from a total return. But from a valuation perspective, international price to earnings discount versus US is now at almost free sigma, free standard deviations. So internationally things are much, much cheaper from a historical perspective and the dividend yields are also higher. If we go deeper and we look at valuations, just look at China. The current P ratio for China is 10 compared to the US of 20, of course, again, the forward PE ratio. Emerging markets 11, 12, Japan 13, Europe 13. So not everything is as expensive or as risky. But also in developed markets, if we go to our free downloadable investing template that you can download in the link in the description below, there are companies that still likely give 10% returns like Verizon, Starbucks, 3M, we did a video on that. Some are more expensive like Berkshire, Microsoft, but then again, Google, if the growth continues, will do really well. So nothing bad there. But then again, if you go extreme, then you have Xiaomi and that is already for a much higher return. You can check also the video related to this template if you want to know more. So with the risks and rewards of the market, the money narrowing to these places, US, US tech, US light asset models, everything going there, behaving like the other doesn't really exist, I think that the risk there is going higher and higher as the prices go up. 
but the rewards are going down. So where the prices are lower, we can still find, if we think we can find high rewards, good rewards for less risks. But of course, we have to think and we have to give it a little bit of effort. And when I see this money flowing into the markets, I'm reminded of Warren Buffett's 1985 letter to shareholders. And I firmly believe that we have to find our advantages now because it's likely that things will change. And then, as he says, our advantage rather than other is attitude. So we have to buy businesses when market prices are at a discount, so we have to look for those discounts. However, most institutional investors in the early 70s, so 60s, nifty 50s, very exuberant times, regarded business value as of only minor relevance when they were deciding the prices at which they would buy or sell. This now seems hard to believe, as the current cyclically adjusted P ratio of the S&P 500 seems hard to believe, but under the spell of academics, under the spell of the last 40 years where stock just go up, up and up, and many think that the stock market is totally efficient, therefore the allocation to the US of 60% is efficient, so business value, no importance, so we are enormously indebted to those academics. What could be more advantageous in an intellectual contest, whether it be bridge, chess, or stock selection, than to have opponents who have been taught that thinking is a waste of energy. So we really have to think and minimize our risk for reward, to improve our reward. And given the discrepancy in the stock market globally, I think that we have the opportunity to do that now. And what does it mean to lower your risk and increase your return? Let's say that I'm looking for businesses, okay, worst case scenario, I double my money in five, seven years. Best case, I get a 4x or a 10x or I double my money in two years and then I can continue. What the current market offers is we have seen 50% decline and then yes, a double is always possible if there is inflation, even a triple with low interest rates. But the party, I feel, will end and that's a given. And yes, historically over the last 70 years, the markets have given 6% per year for 20 years in the worst case scenarios, 17 in the best. But I think that especially in real returns, we are on the lower, if not even lower than the lower end here. But of course, then what are the alternatives? And the alternatives are even worse. To just beat inflation, if you have 100,000, you need to make 6,000 per year. That is insane because what you get in a savings account currently is 70. So if you are having 100,000, you are losing 6,300, what is it, $50 per year in purchasing power. That is insane and that's a message that people really need to know. But then people get into panic and that's again the wrong way to do investing. Investing the right way is to think over the long term and be prepared also for these kind of things. And then of course, investing globally, shifting from what everybody else does to something different, something new, requires more knowledge, more effort. And over the coming months, I'll be digging deeper into this analysis stocks, showing what's bad, 
showing what's better. So please subscribe and smash that notification bell if you haven't yet. Now let's discuss economies. If we look at real GDP and the trend, the growth trend historically, it's 2%. So that is nothing stellar. 2% for developed economies. And if we look at the long-term drivers of economic growth, those are going down, down and expected to be even worse in the coming 10 years. And then if we look at expected economic ex assumptions, real GDP growth going forward is expected to be even lower than 2%, just 1.5%. And this is for the US. I think Europe is also very happy with 1% growth and demographics are there. Plus everyone is borrowing like there is no tomorrow. If we look at the budget deficits, that is insane. So just borrowing, borrowing and borrowing. And even if they borrow 3-5% of GDP every year, it miraculously will not increase that to GDP. So that is also something very, very peculiar that no one is thinking, no one is discussing. Everyone just wants to see the party continuing and stocks going up, you having pockets full of money, not thinking about interest rates, etc. Everyone wants that, but at some point the party will likely end. And then GDP 2%, 1.5%. China will likely grow at 4-5%, which is then again better than 1.5%, something to keep in mind. Plus, if we look at emerging markets and this chart here, 1.5 billion people will enter the middle class in this decade. 1.5 billion new people, that's more than Europe and US have together and that will again be another factor in what is happening now and that is inflation. So inflation 7.9% the transitory that was supposed to be transitory only in 2021 is just going higher and higher. Eurozone also 7.5%. And if we look at the components, energy, of course, but then vehicles, food, other restaurants, shelter, everything is going up and up. And people are wondering whether it will stop or not. Well, so much money has been printed into the system. There is so much liquidity alongside supply chains issues and whatever, but the liquidity that has been pumped into the system, plus global demand that now we are living really in a global world and then wars, etc. But there is inflation and higher or lower, we might see inflation also to be there for the next decade, two decades, especially with the money printing. Give me another recession, again, interest rates to zero, more money printing, and then you might have stagflation. And they are going now into fighting inflation, fighting inflation, but then again, inflation is 7.5% and they are going to raise rates to 2%, 2.5, 3 maybe, and that's about it. So still rates will be four percentage points below inflation. There should be also some balance sheet tightening, but we'll have to see how will that impact liquidity. When they tried this in 2019, even before the pandemic, it was a failure. And the consequence is that 
again, treasury yields are terrible from a real perspective. So if you are lending money to the US government, you're losing 4% per year of your money. And then something very important for stock market investors, high rates improve good economy, we can increase rates, you'll hear Powell saying the economy is strong, everything is good, we can hike, 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 hike. But at some point, these hikes impact the world and we'll discuss that in the interest rates and become detrimental both to the stock market and the economies. And you can see here how at first with hikes stocks follow the economy, the hikes, everything is okay. But at some point there is a tipping point and till present it was 3.6%. Then when the tipping point is reached then stocks start to go down economies, etc. So this was 4.5, 3.6. Now it might be even 2.6 as rates have been pulled lower like for the last 40 years. Also the ECB is expected to buy less and less but we have to see that and that there is again a risk there and the market is pricing in 10 hikes for Bank of England and the Fed and the Bank of Japan, no hikes, they are just sticking to whatever worked for them. And ECB, maybe one or two hikes, but that's again not that relevant. What is relevant is the yield curve. If we look at the current yield curve, 2.44 for 30 years, 10 years, 2.32, and 2.45 for what's this, the free year. So it's almost not yet inverted, but close. This means that investors are willing to pay a little bit more for those long-term bonds to lock in these long-term rates because they think that, okay, you can push short-term rates higher, but over the long-term you will not be able to lower rates. So with inflation, the market is happy losing 4-5% on that and that is insane but they are just betting that rates will go down and therefore they make money on the bonds. But that's a very ugly bet given how much you lose on inflation. Nevertheless, the bond market is huge. And if you start hiking and increasing interest rates, you are having a huge impact on the debt out there. Emerging markets developed, especially Europe, a lot of debt and that debt has increased countries, everything borrowing at zero interest rates. If you start putting interest rates that would be fair, let's say 5-7% to cover for inflation, I think that most companies here go bust. So to summarize here, I don't think central banks have control. It is all just a show to try to tell us that everything is okay because they need us to think that everything is okay. They need you to not worry about your pension fund that is losing with 50% of it, losing 5-7% of purchasing power because it is invested in bonds that are, will be or definitely worthless five years down the road. So they need you not to worry but if you look at the numbers it is okay to worry, but then again, I think you have to start thinking and building something that no matter what happens, you are okay. And that means being prepared, investing for the long term, investing in a way that whatever outcome is there, 
you are okay because it's impossible to predict. Nobody knows whether interest rates will be 7% next year or zero. Anything can happen and that's investing. Wall Street is always about uncertainty. Investing is about navigating that uncertainty the best you can. And just a note on interest rates. I started this YouTube channel five years ago and the long-term mantra, especially before 2021, was to get a fixed interest rate mortgage rate because that was one of the best low-risk, good reward investments. And I think now I can rest my case and those that did that bought a house. Let me know in the comments if you did that following me. That was a great thing to do. However, not everyone invests smartly. And if we just look at what the average investor does compared to the market, that is insane. So 2.9% versus 7.5%. So on top of just not following the market, we have to also avoid doing stupid things. And that's why we have these videos. Because a lot of people that have money now feel cheated by this and they want to act fast. And acting fast means just putting money into something that has worked and that is US equity bonds did also great over the last 20 years with declining interest rates. And if we look at non-US equity, that includes Europe and everything, the exposure is just 15%. So emerging markets that look the cheapest now are really, really avoided, especially after what happened over the last 12 months. Then pension funds, pension return assumptions, they still expect to get 8%. So 7.5, so they have adjusted it just a little bit, but even 5.5, how are you going to get 5, 6% when you are losing 4% real purchasing power? So this is also something that nobody discusses, but the outlook here is terrible. And then I really think each one of us has to take the $1 that we have and when it comes to investing really think okay what's the value of this now so it is losing value day by day with inflation seven percent per year and then how can i invest this to get value for the rest of my life how can i invest this dollar or more okay you have to see what are your financial goals and then look really work to find the best investment vehicles i've done a great video discussing Seth Klarman's letter to shareholders for this year and you can find a lot of ways there that he shares which i still find the best ways to invest for now and that is from the video check the video i'll put the link in the description below be prepared for adversity because given the data we have seen adversity will come avoid leverage especially in the stock market not with fixed income on homes but then again also be careful what you're buying if you're buying now limit portfolio duration so he looks for catalysts which is very interesting and then focused first on the downside what can go wrong we discussed yesterday growth stocks and how those can go wrong and the market has just narrowed and not yet hit other companies but that can happen and just think okay what's the risk and reward that i'm taking and also think long term and try to 
zenify your portfolio. I think that's the key. And one of the ways to zenify your portfolio comes from Peter Lynch. He says, first, you need to own a home because you have that fixed interest rate mortgage, taking advantage of inflation, all those benefits, tax benefits that, let's say, give stability to your financial life. Then, of course, you need only to invest the money you don't need. That's the key. And then learn about investing and what creates value for investors, earnings, growth, business quality, really how something creates value. And then you can start investing. And then whatever happens with the economy, with whatever inflation, you will do good. So to summarize here, I really think that from now on, really thinking is key. Analyzing that risk versus reward and finding the sweet spot that you are happy with no matter what happens, no matter whether we have 15% inflation or 5% or 0% inflation or whatever, stagflation or great economic growth. Thanks for watching. Check what I do. Intel summary also, Seth Klarman investment. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, please let me know. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review as it means a lot to me. Thank you and I'll be speaking to you in the next episode.